and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, it's Brother Frank, and I'm back for another episode on the Remnant Call. And finally, 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 Brother Todd is back with us. Brother Todd, say hello. The, the audience has forgotten that you were even alive. Oh, I'm still alive and well. You know, I'm just being busy, being busy. Amen. He keeps using this excuse as work, like, you know, he needs to work. Anyways, the rest of us that are married, we just sit around and do nothing. I'm just kidding. But uh, besides that, we're just thankful to be here and excited. we got a, a great guest on tonight. Many of you are familiar with Pastor Carl Gallops, and we're going to bring him on here in a few minutes because if you know anything about Pastor Carl, he always has something good to share that is pertinent to the hour that we live in. And we feel that's very important uh, for this day and age that we be, uh, you know, a, aware of the times because the Lord calls us to be watchmen and, and, and as a part of being watchmen, we need to be aware of what's going on so that we can see the signs and, and understand the times and, and what to do. And so we're thankful for Pastor Carl's going to come on here in a few minutes with us and, and share a few things tonight. Um, folks, thank you for those who joined in last week on the Fires of Revival. If you haven't heard that program, you need to go listen to it because the truth is, is that revival is not something that we only hear about over in other countries uh, in the 1800s, maybe the early 1900s, or here or there, you know, everywhere except here. It seems like we hear about it. But the truth is, revival is for here. It's for God's church. It is for the tower, hour that we live in. And the Fires of Revival is a program that not only addresses revivals and biblical revival, but it gives you the tools on how to have revival. So there's no ex reason why you cannot have a revival in your church. And the interesting thing is when you study out revivals in the Bible, you will find that almost all of them happen the same way. The problem is today that we think revival is nothing but having a, a preacher come in and do about a week-long set of slick sermons, and we call that revival. But true revival is when people are touched in the hearts. Lives are changed. Communities are changed. Um, you know, the church is changed for the better. And so that is the reason we need to make sure that we are not only hearing about revivals, but we're having revival because this is the hour we need to do that in. And so I'm going to, with that, I am going to bring in Pastor Carl because it's time to get this program underway. We've got some things to share here. And so, Pastor Carl, are you here with us tonight? I am here, Brother Frank, Brother Todd. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. It's an honor to be with you. Amen. Well, folks, I've introduced Pastor Carl before. He is a, a best-selling author. He's Pastor Carl, what is it, seven books you have? Let me think. Um, my sixth one that I have written is coming out this fall, so I have five okay, out, but I have also contributed to two or three others, so uh, writing chapters, okay. et cetera. 
Okay, so he only has six books coming out. Um, since I have zero, <laughs> I will say that's a lot. And I tell you, it takes a lot. And Pastor Carl, um, we know that you're, you're on radio all the time. Um, could you give your website out? Because a lot of people, you know, they've, yeah. they've heard of you. They see you on WorldNet Daily and things like that. But how can people follow what you're doing? And how can they keep up with your program? Very easy. It's myname.com, carlgallops.com, Carl Gallops, and Carl is with a C, and Gallops is G-A-L-L-U-P-S, carlgallops.com. And from there, it's really easy. It's a one-page kind of uh, uh, presentation, the landing page, and you can connect with my church and the PNN News and Ministry Network, uh, Freedom Friday, my radio shows, uh, uh, thousands of videos, um, articles, recent articles that I'm in, uh, television shows that I've been on, go back through the archives, etc. So everything is at carlgallops.com. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Folks, the reason really wanting to have Pastor Carl on here is besides his wealth of knowledge and being a part of uh, a lot of different things that have gone on, um, not only in the uh, spiritual side of things and in the, in the church side of stuff, but Pastor Carl, uh, you were a former police officer. You are also a part of the uh, cold case posse with Sheriff uh, Joe Arpaio in the um, into the investigation into the Obama birth certificate. Pastor, you've seen lately, there's, I think with all this news hype that's going on and everything about Trump, and now they're going to acquire it, and we know it's just, even if this investigation goes away, there will be something else. There will be yep. a, another something that will come up. In the meantime, the world is falling apart. Um, we've got threats from Russia, you know, on the verge with North Korea. You know, Iranian problems. We've got terrorist attacks in the UK. We've even got them this week here in the US at the airport. But, you know, I know they don't want to talk much about it, but this world is in chaos. Yeah. Brother, and, brother and, Todd, bro, brother, oh, go ahead, Brother Frank. No, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, guys, listen, guys. <laughs> This could be a two-hour show. Again, let me let me try to give my synopsis of what you just said. Yes, um, we are living in the most prophetic times since the first coming of Jesus Christ. And what, what's happening with Donald Trump, Middle East, let me just take those two things together because they're all connected. It is spiritual. It is demonic. It is prophetic. Let me tell you what I mean. Listen. I, I, I supported Donald Trump, especially as it got closer and closer to the end. I actually was asked by his administration to open one of his rallies for him in Florida, uh, and I was honored to do that. Um, I endorsed him in major media around the world, and, and so I want to go ahead and give that disclaimer. I have never thought that Donald Trump was the savior of America. I never thought he was a perfect candidate. No, no one is. Uh, but I knew that Hillary Clinton was an absolute globalist, open borders, anti-law enforcement, anti-military, anti-corporate America, um, uh, you know, anti-Christianity, anti-Second Amendment. I mean, I can go down the list and keep going all night long. And then, so she stood there. And she actually said, she didn't use these words, but she actually made it clear that if she was elected, she would continue Obama's policies on steroids. So that was one candidate we had. The other candidate was a guy by the name of Donald Trump, a multi-billionaire businessman who's been very successful, who says anyway and said and continues to say, and his life seems to match it, that he's pro-America, pro-Constitution, pro-rule of law, wants to protect the borders, wants to enforce immigration laws, reasonable immigration laws, the laws that are on the book, wants to 
strengthen our economy, wants to strengthen our military, wants to make America great again, stands with Israel and not against Israel like Obama and, and Hillary, um, wants to try to uh, calm some things down. And here's the deal. So in my supporting of, of that, I kept telling people, look, if this guy wins, you need, you need to understand, church, I told the church, do not go to sleep. And go back to business as usual, saying, okay, we got our new Ronald Reagan. Everything's going to be lovely. No, these are different times, guys. These are different times. These are prophetic times. And I said, if Donald Trump wins, and if God's hand is on him, and if God is using him, we're going to move forward into prophetic times. And the gates of hell are going to come against this man. And and he will be harassed and lied about. They will try to... In, and, and I don't want to use the word hurt him, kill him, but you hear people talking about it. On the left, uh, they, they're going to try to get him out of office. They will try to impeach him. The globalists hate him. He, Donald Trump p- potentially holds the power to disrupt the globalist agenda and set it back by 50 years, and they know it. They are terrified of him. They hate him. The demonic realm hates him. Witches all over the world have been in the headlines making contact with the Internet to have seances and, and, and to cast spells on him. I mean, guys, when's the last time you heard of the demonic realm uniting publicly with witches as their out-front human representatives to unite against a president of the United States? Never. Never. Yeah. Never in our history, never in our lifetime has this been done. If, if, if people can't see the spiritual side of it, now, in conjunction with that, you've got the globalists going crazy about Brexit, about everything Donald Trump's doing with closing the borders and enforcing immigration laws and, and, and the economy and the military, et cetera, et cetera. And in the midst of all of this, right before Trump came in office, about a year before, Russia showed up in the Middle East with its troops, planted itself in Syria as a result of Arab Spring, which was instigated and, and gasoline poured on the fire by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. The New yeah. York Times literally ran articles praising them for starting Arab Spring, for continuing Arab Spring, and and I've got all of this documented in, in my last book, and I think it's coming up in my new book as well. They were actually praised uh, for for being a part of it. And Arab Spring has caused the rise of ISIS. It caused Syria to collapse, which caused Russia to come with their military troops. China, for the first time in their history, they've built a military base on the coast of East Africa. They're pumping in thousands of troops into Syria, connected with Russia. China and Russia are joined. Russia has been a longtime ally of Iran anyway. Now they're really tied at the hip. Russia's providing Iran with nuclear technology. Obama came along and handed all of that to Iran on a silver platter with this Iranian nuclear deal that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu begged us not to do. Much of Congress begged Obama not to do. Much of the Middle East begged Obama not to do it, but he did it anyway. So you got Russia, China, and Iran connected. Now along comes North Korea. And, and, it, and it just pops up seemingly out of nowhere in the midst of this and starts launching missiles and threatening nuclear war. And people are saying, where did they come from? How are they connected to all of this? Oh, they're connected very deeply. China 
and North Korea. China supplied troops, economic aid, military aid, and arms to North Korea during the Korean War. They've got embassies in each other's nations. They send emissaries to each other's nations. They trade with each other. It's cooled a little bit between North Korea and China, but, but, but not much. And so, they're, so North Korea is connected to the Middle East because they're connected to China, but China is connected to Russia. Russia is connected to Iran. And now we found out a couple of weeks ago in headlines of mainstream media that Iran is also supplying nuclear technology to North Korea. So, guys, I'm telling you, this is the stuff that world wars are made of. And there are world leaders all over the globe saying that we're in the cusp, cusp of World War III, and you can lay the beginnings of it at the doorstep of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Arab Spring, Israel surrounded by enemies, hated by Barack Obama for eight years, along comes Trump, makes friends with Israel, moves the embassy to Jerusalem, trying to close our borders, strengthening our military, strengthening our constitution, strengthening rule of law, and the globalists are going out of their mind, the communists, the leftists, the rhinos, trying to bring him down, the Washington establishment elite in the middle of it all. Guys, we've got world, I mean, uh, uh, national figures, former intelligence officials, um, major media figures who are actually saying right now in, the, in, in headline news articles, I, there were three last week alone. One guy on Fox News, a former CIA uh, high-ranking official, I can't remember his name right now, but he's like one of the deputy chiefs of a division. They are all saying last week, Three, three different people, three different articles came out, mainstream media, that the United States of America is on the verge of a bloody civil war. Mm. So you've got wow. that threat. You've got the threat of a world war. You've got the Middle East imploding. You've got all of this attack on Donald Trump. And, and I'm telling you guys, we are living in times like we have never seen before. So I, forgive me, all, I, I, I talked no. a lot, but I just wanted to set the scene. I appreciate that. Pastor Carl, could I get you to stay, hang with us for an extra 20 minutes tonight? Would that be possible? I, I, get you I extra think so, 20? yes. I'm looking at my schedule okay. here. It's on my I, desk here. Because, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I will okay. do my best to do that, Frank. Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the first part of this program out into a separate update on the uh, certificate because I feel that what I'm getting ready to get into, Pastor, I really want to be able to share it, and, and I want to make sure I got it just to, if I could get you an extra 20. If you got to get off, that'll be fine. But, you know, what you just mentioned, everything there, Pastor, and then you add on top of all of that uh, the th- the potential for an economic collapse at any moment. Um, yep. When you're when you've built uh, your nation has built its economy on basically a house of cards of of uh, a lot of money being out there with nothing to back it, and um, we are we are on the precipice of at any moment um, we could we could have a, a collapse. And so you begin to put all those things together, and you realize that we, as you just said, Pastor, in tough. Um, prophetic times and i know you you have a current book out about that on when the lion roars and and uh, about the times and folks if you've not gotten pastor carl's book on when the lion roars todd you're in the middle of reading that right now and you were just sharing how how much you enjoy that book because it's speaking to the hour that we're in right this moment yeah exactly when you were talking about the ebb spring uh, it took me back to when um netanyahu in the book you were talking about when netanyahu was invited yeah. to speak to congress um by uh, boehner 
um, even though everybody thought it was disrespectful because he didn't get the president's okay on it. But he was uh, referencing the uh, story in the Bible of um, Esther, was it? Yes. Yes, correct. Yes. And um, how these events were stacking up. I'll, I'll let you read the book after me. You'll yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah it, it's just amazing how everything is unfolding right in front well, of us, like you were saying. Well, Brother Todd and Brother Frank, if you will allow me, I'll take three minutes to just throw something out that Brother Todd is talking about that is astounding yes. if your audience doesn't know this, and that is, and there are four or five other factors like this, and Brother Todd can verify this, but let me just zero in on this one thing. So when Benjamin Netanyahu was begging Congress, please don't do this, please don't sign this treaty, Barack Obama was livid that, uh, that he was there, that he was speaking in Congress, and that he was speaking against this treaty. And after it was all over, Barack Obama went on TV and basically trashed Netanyahu and then assured Netanyahu that he would sign that treaty. And it was scheduled to be signed on a certain date that he had said, and I can't remember the date right now, but it's all in my book and it's all heavily referenced. But instead, a few days later, Barack Obama changed the date of the signing correspond with the date in the Bible that came out, comes right out of the book of Esther. If there's an Actually, there is a date in the book of Esther, the date upon which Haman signed the contract with Artaxerxes to destroy the Jews. Barack Obama picked that date, changed the signing date to that date, uh, to poke a finger in the eye of Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu since he came to Congress and during the Feast of Purim, which celebrates the victory of the Book of Esther and the Jews over their attackers. But that whole story, as you guys know, that whole account revolves around Haman trying to get all of the Jews destroyed. And of course, Artaxerxes and Haman were with the Empire of Persia. And mm -hmm. until 1935... The area in the world known as Persia, all over the world maps, all in the textbooks of schools until 1935, was modern-day Iran. And, yes. and, and Obama actually changed the date of the signing of that to match the biblical date of the planned destruction of the Jews. Yeah. Any, anybody from Persia? I have a brother-in-law from Persia, uh, from Iran, and they will tell you very specifically, they are not Arabs. They are Persians. That's correct. And uh, that's, that's the truth on that. And I thank you. Well, you know, Pastor Carl, looking at all those things, you wrote a book, um, uh, I guess it was 2016 or 2015, called Be Thou Prepared. Mm -hmm. And um, dealing with what do we do as believers, um, seeing that all these things are coming to be. You know, in 1929, right, but the, the day before the stock market crash, Nobody believed that the next day they were going to wake up and the market was going to collapse. Yeah. Now, there were yeah. indicators, and, there th and now we can look back at the hindsight. But when people went to bed that night, they didn't realize that their lives were about to be changed. And I'll tell you right now, Pastor, my, my wife's grandmother and grandfather, they live in Colorado. He's, um, her, he's 90, mid-90s maybe or so. And they still have a preparation room in their home. Now, he's got a ton of money. Mm 
himself. They've got a 7,000-square-foot home on a gated golf course, 18-hole golf course in Colorado Springs, okay? You wouldn't, why would he need to be prepared? But he still remembers back to the Great Depression, yep. and it had that much of an impact that he still keeps yeah. a stock room downstairs because of what life was like back then. Yes. No, and you're so, absolutely right. And, and, and I try to – were you finished? I'm sorry. I was. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I try to remind people, Brother Frank, Brother Todd, that, good gosh, guys, the last 40, 50 years in America, 60 years, we've been so blessed because, you know, we've had this roaring economy. Now, I know the last eight years have been pretty terrible, but, I mean, it is kind of depression, but, I mean, uh, but, I mean, recession, but, but, but the bottom line is – guys, think about how we live. You know, ask children where food comes from. Their answer is the grocery store. They, 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 don't, they don't even know where, where does milk come from, the grocery store. You know, where does cheese come from, the grocery store. I mean, they, they don't have a clue. And, and, you know, if we need more gas, we just drive down to the gas station. If we need more clothes, we run up to the clothing store. If we need anything, we go to Walmart or to the mall. I mean, you know, we just, we're so blessed. And at the same time, that blessing is a curse to us because we've forgotten that it wasn't that long ago that our, as you just said, our forefathers, our, our grandparents, great-grandparents, they lived through some tough, tough times. And, I mean, our nation, see, people, people forget our nation went through the War of Independence. Oh, my gosh. That was hellacious. We, we went through a civil war. We killed 600,000 of our neighbors and cousins and, and, and fellow citizens on our front lawns and in the fields, the pastures and fields around our homes. 600,000 for four years. Um, you know, and then we move right on into World War One and the Great Depression and World War Two and I mean, we this nation has seen some tough times, and all of the hurricane devastation, and tornado devastation, and earthquake devastation. I mean, it's the stuff of life. We live in a fallen world, and just because the last few decades have been relatively easy and strong for the nation as a whole, and relatively peaceful. I mean, you know, there's the terrorist attack, and it freaked us out for a week, and then everybody went back to their, you know, because America was so strong. I mean, the, the, the stock market recovered, the economy recovered, we started rebuilding, we went to war with Iraq and Afghanistan, and everybody went back to work. And the church went back to fighting over the color of carpet and how long the preacher was preaching, and, and it was just back to normal because we could. We were so strong. We could do that. And, and I'm telling you guys, I'm trying to wake up the pulpit, I'm trying to wake up the pew, because you're right, the illustration you used of the Great Depression was perfect. We're going to wake up one morning and the whole world will be changed. And the people who are prepared to deal with it are the people who are also going to be able to minister the love of Jesus Christ. The people who are not prepared are going to be busy scrounging to survive. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist. And people say, well, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to live by faith. And I say, good gosh, of course we live by faith. We're not guaranteed of another day, Frank, Todd. We're not guaranteed that our heart will beat another day or, or that we'll take a next week. We're not guaranteed we'll live through this night. So, of course, we live by faith. But the Bible commands us to be prepared. The Bible commands us to provide for our family security, uh, protection, uh, material needs. The Bible commands us. Uh, Proverbs 27, I think it's 27.14 or 27.17, says that the prudent man sees danger coming and prepares for it. The foolish man 
sees danger coming and does nothing and suffers for it. And so the Word of God from Old Testament to New Testament tells us to prepare. And for people who say, I'm just going to live by faith, this is how I challenge them. I get living by faith. I do that every day. But the way I challenge them is this. Okay, then I challenge you. Take the locks off your doors, auto insurance, quit buying life insurance, quit buying health insurance, uh, remove your fire extinguishers, dismantle your burglar alarms, get rid of all the guns in your house. And by the way, don't go grocery shopping anymore. The food will show up by faith. Don't you have faith that the food will show up on your front doorstep? Mm -hmm. And if you do go grocery shopping, don't shop for a week or two or three or a month like normal people in America do because we can. Shop one day at the time because, you know, by faith, it'll all be there. Don't worry about preparing. Don't have extra fuel. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. Just live by faith. You see, don't brush your teeth. Don't go to the doctor. Don't, I mean, I could go on and on with this. How foolish can we be to say, I'm not going to make preparations for the danger that I see in the world in which we live, I'm just going to, quote, live by faith. I live in <laughs> Hurricane Alley. Some people live in Tornado Alley. Some people live in Earthquake Alleys. Um, you better be prepared just for natural disasters, not counting terrorist attacks and civil unrest and you know nuclear problems with North Korea trying to hit parts of America with nukes and Russia. And I mean, guys, so... That's what I'm trying to tell people. You don't have to be stupid about it. You don't have to live under a log and eat grubs. But just think about where we are in history. Don't let the times catch you by surprise. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Make some preparations to take care of your precious family. And do this because it honors the Lord. And anyway, that's, that's no, I, my No, I appreciate that. I want to... I want to get into that because as we were talking, like, you know, you don't, you know, you're not planning on a hurricane hitting Florida, but it will, it's not if, it's when yeah. it will hit Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I used to be in the rodeo years ago and, and, it, and when you're in rodeo, it's, it's not if you're going to get hurt, it's when you'll get hurt. It will happen right. eventually. And, um, it, you know, the interesting thing is we look, we look at, you know, back in, uh, in, when when Daniel was in Babylon, and we we look at uh, Belteshazzar, you know, and, and uh, Belshazzar, when you know they they thought they were going to have a great party uh, that night, uh, everything was going fine in the kingdom. Little did, little did they know that there was going to be a complete change in government that night. They weren't expecting for the handwriting to come on the wall, and and God literally changed the entire government in Babylon in one night. The interesting thing to me is, Pastor Carl, is that the handwriting's on the wall, but nobody's doing anything about it. And that's the things right. that bother me. And I want to get into a little bit about your book that you writ written and also an article you just wrote. But I want to share something because, folks, you know that uh, the Bible calls us all to be watchmen. It's not if you, well, I don't feel like it. Jesus said specifically, watch. Watch ye always. We are to be ready. We are all, as New Testament believers, to be watchmen. And, and God has been warning people. He's been warning uh, his prophets. He's been warning us through the Word. He's been warning us through signs in the times, uh, through everything, uh, even the very stars in the heavens. If you've ever looked into the whole biblical astronomy, are screaming out that, that the Lord is coming again. I'm not talking about astrology. 
I'm talking about God wrote out in the heavens that they would be a witness uh, to his people, that you know we would understand what was going on. And so we see all those, and I wanted to share something with the audience. Um, this is from a good friend of mine, um, Marty Breeden. You, if you all have ever heard Marty, he's the police officer. He's been on a few uh, radio programs, and, and yeah, he code blew twice and died, uh, you know, almost died. <laughs> Um, and so the Lord spoke to Marty, and if you know one thing about Marty, Pastor Carl, is Marty, he's just a plain old guy. He's a police officer that just happens to love Jesus. He's not some freak kook on the outside fringe of things. He's just a normal guy and a, and a humble guy. And he shared something the other night, um, and I asked him for permission to read this, and he said that'd be fine. Um, on the 21st of this month, he says, this is how it goes. Marty said, I began to hear, he had fallen asleep. He said, I began to hear chatter of an imminent, an imminent attack. I opened the front door and observed multicolored mushroom clouds over a city, and I know that I knew well. I knew this city was gone. The inhabitants perished. Those who survived the, the initial blast would now deal with, the, with what comes after. There were other attacks coming, and we all knew it. Government warning systems were sounding the alarm, telling the people... Uh, telling people one another would happen within moments. This time, I was allowed to look into corporate America. I saw CEOs and workers walking up to one another, saying their goodbyes. It made no difference from the corporate president to the janitor. Everyone fell on each other's neck and said goodbye for the last time. It was dark outside and not a normal dark. The Bible says, Gropes darkness shall cover the earth, and this is what I saw. This darkness was tangible and beyond the normal dark night skies. I then witnessed a frightening scene. I saw a pale green poisonous plague cover the entire land. I saw much death and pain. I saw many tears. Some were tears of fear, some tears of loss. I remember I remember looking over the nation and seeing manufacturing facilities shutting down in the mid-production. I saw school systems sending home their admin staff amongst many tears. I saw the looks of fear and anguish upon the people as they knew what was about to happen, and they knew they were powerless to stop it. Even those who had been the seemingly strongest personalities around us were now broken. I saw others who had the light of God in them helping others prepare now for their eternity. Those who had been previously rejected and mocked and maligned were now being sought out to have the talk to and pray for those who were about to face their God. I could hear the names of those secure in their faith being called out, beckoned, asked to come. Those who at one time were not part of the clique was now the most valued person because of their faith. I remember one corporate head saying, well, get well, get her over here fast. She's a Christian. We know we don't have much time. Tell her to come and pray with us. Even the sinner was telling the sinner to seek God because he was their only hope. Yeah. Now, yeah. folks, if you know Marty, he's just a normal guy. And I tell you, I read that because I felt, too, it was very interesting at the end of this dream that he had that God was using the believers as witnesses to the unbelievers. And I yeah. believe that I, without this vision, I'm not endorsing any. I'm just reading what Marty shared. Folks, you've got to pray over yourself. I'm not saying this is the Word of God. I'm just sharing what Marty shared with me. But, folks, I believe this is what's going to happen, and God needs a people, and we need to be ready for what's coming. And, I, Pastor Carl, you, I know you believe this. Uh, specifically, and and 
you were talking about earlier about well if we if if you don't think we should prepare then you know just go buy one day worth of grocery and and Pastor, I've heard this before from many people, um, knowing that the hours, see, that if I read this dream or, or read in the Bible and stuff, you know, we realize and understand from the Word of God that in one moment, in Revelation 18, that great nation, that city, Mystery Babylon, uh, they, in one hour of one day, their lives will be changed forever. So this is a real thing that's coming. Yeah. And, and, and so, Pastor Carl, you wrote a book about this, and people have told me, well, Frank, it's, not, it's a lack of faith to prepare. We need to just stand in faith. And, Pastor Carl, is it, is it a lack of faith, truly? Yeah. Well, listen, first of all, let me just say about the, 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 the dream, the revelation that this gentleman had. Um, you know, I, I know some people may be listening to that saying, well, you know, that, you know that, there's probably nothing to that. Well, first of all, God does speak to men and women in dreams and revelations and visions. Uh, read the Bible if you don't believe it. <laughs> uh, secondly, what he described, there will be a generation that will see something just like that. I mean, uh, according to the Word of God. So, so uh, now, sliding from that word right into the question you just asked me about, is it a lack of faith to prepare? Again, I, I just go back to, to what I was talking about earlier, and that is absolutely not. Listen, there's a balance to all of this. I get that, and I'm a balanced person. I was a cop for 10 years. I've been senior pastor of one church for 31 years, and so, so um, I, I, I'm a balanced person. And I tell people all that. People say, well, I don't want to look like some crazy prepper. Well, then don't act crazy. But I mean, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, do, do I mean our forefathers canned their own food and grew their own food and stored their own food and smoked and jerked their own uh, meat products so that they could have food through the winter and salted things down and 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 I mean built smoke houses and I mean I mean had farms and animals and raised their own food and traded and bartered with each other for weapons and ammunition and food stuff and clothing uh, they made their own clothing I I mean it hasn't been that long ago a hundred years ago when that's how everybody lived we're just so anesthetized brother Frank brother Todd by our luxury by our wealth. As a nation, I know not everybody listening to this show lives in wealth, and I don't know that any three of us do, but I'm just saying, compared to our forefathers, we're billionaires. And, yeah. and I mean, the luxuries we have, air conditioning, electricity, automobiles, drive to the grocery store, drive to the doctor, the dentist, hospitals, medical technology, gasoline on every corner. I mean, we are so blessed. And so people, it's easy to say, well, I'm just going to live by faith. I'm just going to live by faith. That makes you sound spiritual. The problem is you're, you sound ungodly when you say that because – the balance is, of course, the Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. And that, and that, and the context of that, I get it. And that means day to day to day, we're not guaranteed of another thing. And, and plus, living by faith, not by sight, means we have to take God at his word, even when we don't see it or understand it. If, if God says it, 
then we need to take him at his word. I mean, parents do that with children. We explain to children the ways of life. They don't understand it. They can't see it. They can't conceptualize it. So they have to take us at our word that we know something they don't know, that we're wiser than they are. That's what the Bible means when it says we walk by faith, not by sight. It doesn't mean we're supposed to just walk around and just wait for somebody to, to uh, just wait for food to show up on our table, uh, to, you know, not to go to work. Why go to work? Just live by faith. Money will come. It'll just be in your bank account. Why go to the grocery store? Money will, I mean, food will just show up on your doorstep. So I tell people, look, we live our whole lives. This is why we buy insurance. This is why we lock our doors. This is why we have burglar alarms. This is why we buy firearms. This is why we go to the doctor and the dentist and why we brush our teeth and all of these different things. What are we doing? Well, we're just kind of preparing and we're putting, uh, uh, making wise decisions in case we get a cavity or in case we get sick or in case somebody breaks into our home or in case we have a car wreck or in case our house burns down or in case we have a devastating health consequence in our life. Um, we, we do these things in preparation for the possibilities of life because we don't live in paradise yet. We don't live in the restored creation yet. We live in a fallen creation filled with the potential for natural disasters and filled with the potential for human evil to unleash at any moment. Now, I'm not a hand-wringer. I'm not trying to over-sensationalize this. I'm not trying to uh, make people fearful. The Bible says, for those of us that belong to the Lord, we haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So the book is written with a sound mind in perspective. And my answer to people, Brother Frank, Brother Todd, that say I'm just going to live by faith is, look, you're being unfaithful if you mean by that that you're not going to make any preparations. Because from Old Testament to New Testament, listen, I spend the first three or four chapters of my book, Be Thou Prepared, talking about the New Testament church times. They lived under times of famine, earthquakes, government persecution of Christians, religious persecution, the Jews. Uh, eventually they were thrown to the lion's den. What, what, what do Christians think that Paul was doing when he was going around to the churches, taking up collections for the church in Jerusalem? Because they were in tough times. There was a famine in the land. There was an economic crisis in Judea. The church in Jerusalem was suffering. The Jews who were turning to Christ were being rejected by their own families. They were losing their businesses. They were losing their homes. They were losing their birthrights. Uh, widows, if their husbands died or their sons died, the church was having to take care of widows. Why? Because a woman living in that world with no man to take care of her, and if she had a man, and maybe he was a believer, and he had been disinherited. I mean, poverty was ripping through the, the early church. They had to prepare. They had to learn how to share. They had to learn how to provide for each other's needs. And that goes all the way back to the first church. That's why the Bible says, he who does not work shall not eat. A man that doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. Does that make sense, guys? No, it does completely. And, and Pastor Carl, I, I get what you're trying to say um, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to write this out into a book. And you deal with a lot of stuff in your book on pre preparation and what's going on, why, why we should prepare in this world at this moment. But, Pastor, I 
find that there's a lot of things that uh, or a lot of problems that seem to come up. And one of the biggest problem that seems to come up for a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, too many people today still are living uh, paycheck to paycheck. And, and they look at this and they see the ties and they're saying, I don't have any money to prepare. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I see that, you know, okay, yes, FEMA says we should have, a, I just was reading the current thing on FEMA, um, at least two weeks of food and water, yeah. uh, a yeah. three-day emergency supply, uh, like, you know, just a minimum, and but recommend at least a minimum of two weeks. And some people, though, they're in financial crisis. What would you say to that person that, that doesn't yeah. think that they have the ability to even prepare at all? Yeah, well, that's why I wrote the book, because I, I, I mean, I didn't write the book to be a page-by-page, 2,000-page survival guide, because there are all kinds of resources available. Like I said, the U.S. government has preparation sites. I mean, good gracious. So, uh, but you're right, and I tell people, look, it is easy to do this, and it is very inexpensive. I mean, yes, you can go to these survival stores and you can buy a bucket of food that'll last 25 years and that you can store away and it'll feed you for a year and it'll cost you $700. I, I understand that. And by the way, $700 to feed several people for a year, three meals a day, that's cheap. But yeah. but it may not be cheap if you don't have the money in the bank to pull out $700 and then stick it in the closet for for maybe forever or or whatever. So I tell people, I say, look, it's as easy as this. My wife and I have been doing this for years because we live in Hurricane Alley. Um, every time you go to the grocery store, just buy a few extra bottles of water, a few extra cans of, of, of baked beans, a few, a few extra jars of peanut butter, a few extra tubes of toothpaste. Uh, I mean, not all of this at once, but I mean, every time you go to the grocery store and you're buying supplies – Buy things that make a list of things that you would not want to do without for a week or two or a month or two. Would you want to do without toilet paper? Would you want to do without soap and toothpaste? Would you want to do without basic medical supplies, you know, uh, painkillers, Tylenol, Advil? I mean, you know, maybe something for allergies if you have it. What if you've got medical conditions? Uh, and, and there's medications that you have to have. I mean, people need to think about this stuff, Frank and Todd. Um, and it's not hard to do. If you'll start now and just, you know, go, look through your house and see what you already have and consolidate it into a into a easy-to-get-to place or a fairly safe and secure place, wherever that might be, on your property or in your home. Um, uh, you know, um, providing water is not difficult. Buy, buy some uh Buy some Clorox. Buy some unscented Clorox bleach, some chlorine, um, just a you know a, a, a half a tablespoon in, in in a big old you know five gallon container. It'll kill everything in it within an hour. And you can catch rainwater in in off the roof of your house if you have to to survive. And then chlorinate it and or boil it. I mean, there, if people will just give some thought to this with bottled water now. Uh, and, and ways to store food and water and freeze drying and and um, you know and, and and all of the different storage methods and and then you can buy think of the technology we have now guys you, you can buy packaged food right out of a grocery store that'll last for months and months some of it'll last for years but you can also buy survival food there are companies that this is what they do they have learned how to to prepare food that can be stored for a quarter of a century. And when you break open the package, you add a little water to it or it, it, or heat it up, and it's 
absolutely 100% nutritious and tasty and safe, and and it'll last for 25 years in storage, and, and you can store up meals for months and months. And so I just tell people, don't sit around complaining and whining and it's too expensive or I can't do it or I don't want to look like an idiot because if you happen to live in a time or a place where you have to shelter in place, for example, a massive tornado outbreak devastates your area, a hurricane, an earthquake. How about civil unrest? The people that got up in Ferguson, Missouri and went to work one day and took their kids and dropped them off at school. The very next day, a lot of those people were sheltering in place for weeks. They couldn't get into the streets. There was riots, stabbings, shootings, police uh, all over the news, fires, burning down stores, streets being blocked, gangs roving the streets. That happened overnight in Missouri, guys, in Missouri. And so I tell people, you don't have to live in paranoia and fear, but you must prepare And it's easy to do. It is not expensive at all if you will think this through and use your head. Just do a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And by the way, co-op with your neighbors and your church. The church that I pastor, we have storage rooms and, and supplies that we've been collecting for years, and we've used it. We've helped people in hurricane season and things like that. But churches can do this. Communities can do it. You and your next door neighbors can uh, can can do it. You can do it as a family. It's not that difficult, Frank Todd. No, I, I agree, Pastor Carl. I'm gonna. I know you weren't prepared for this, but I'm gonna bring on real quick for a second. Got a question for you here. Um, actually, my dad just called into the program. Uh, I, I someone else was called in, but I didn't recognize the number. But then I saw Dad. He, he wants to ask you a quick question here. Sure. Dad, are you are you there with me? I sure am. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dad, Pastor Carl's on the phone. Pastor Gallops. Yes, sir. Um, uh, I'm I'm glad to hear you speaking about this tonight. I have taught a preparedness course now for a few years, uh, and I I find this to be an important thing. Um, I would like to say that, and then I'd like your thoughts on this, I have witnessed many times people, including pastors, shame people when they talk about preparing. Watch yes. them shame them and say yes. things to them that insult their integrity, insult their intelligence, and insult their faith. Yes. And I think that this is wrong. I mean, I don't, but you've mentioned many things, and I certainly I, my discovery in the scriptures have been that, no, the Lord tells us, tells us to be aware, to watch, to be prepared, uh, to be responsible. I think he always calls us to be responsible. But this yeah. shaming, I think, is um, I think it is a sin. Yes. No, I agree with you, brother. Uh, listen, that's why I wrote the book. That's why I do these interviews. I've, spent, I, I've, I've done many television interviews, international television, radio interviews, wrote the book saying exactly what you're saying, brother, because it is a shame. I, I, listen. We live in this world of social media for hide behind and uh, you, know, you, you know these fake names and things on the internet, and they shame each other, mm-hmm. and they trash each other, and it's built this culture of 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 looking down our noses at people as they 
as they uh, even speak of, as you just said, to, to, to make some preparations. Yet, these same people, if, if it all collapsed tomorrow, and when I say all, I mean, of course, worst-case scenario is some nuclear winter, nuclear holocaust, some, you know, some EMP thing that shuts down everything and puts everybody back into the Stone Ages. I mean, I mean that's worst-case scenario, and, and that could happen. There have been generations and cultures that have lived through things like that. But just, but just a natural disaster. I, I, I'm telling you, brother – you know, the same people that were shaming uh, uh, people like me around our community, when Katrina hit, when Ivan hit, when Dennis hit, back to back to back in the course of a year down here on the Gulf Coast and devastated yes. our area, guess where thousands and thousands of people came to the church that I pastor? Why? Because yes. they knew we were prepared and we set ourselves up as a FEMA staging area. We had warehouses full of stuff. We were feeding and clothing and watering people, and they came by the thousands, and not a single person apologized for shaming us for years. They were glad to take the Amen. handout that we gave them. Amen. Dad, I appreciate you bringing that up because uh, that is right, Dad, and I know you've been passionate about this. And, and folks, first and foremost, nobody on this program is telling you to prepare physically because it's going to save you. First and foremost, it's spiritual preparation that always right. is the right. most important thing. But I, yes. Pastor and Dad, I, I think people forget that God gave us brains and mm -hmm. expected us to use them. And Pastor Carl, you just recently wrote an article um, about, you know, uh, we, I think sometimes we see things so far off. We see them in London, and we see them in, you know, in France, and we see them over uh, in all the Middle East countries of, of terrorist attack. And we've seen some very small scale, but it, it, it seems like we have a steady uh, stream of picking up to where it's not so shocking. And at any moment, we could have a major terrorist attack uh, in any one of our large cities. Um, Pastor Carl, you just wrote a thing to an article about that in WorldNet Daily to address this issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, I didn't write it, but I was interviewed by them, and I'm quoted profusely in it. So it might also it might look like I wrote it, but I didn't. <laughs> they wrote it, but you're right. No, no, I I was in that particular article just a few days ago, and no, and, and I, I I hope that people would remember that if. if Listen, our own government officials, our own military, our own intelligence communities are telling us that they are tracking ISIS cells in all 50 states of the United States. They are tracking them. They are infiltrating them. They're watching them because these cells have built in all 50 states of the United States. Tens and tens and tens of thousands of Muslim immigrants have come to our nation. Michigan is just, I mean, they're just under assault with this Sharia law push. In fact, 12 or 13 states have had to either enact laws or file lawsuits, uh, Sharia law, uh, um, um, Islamic, radical Islamic extremism. They're here. And, this, and it was, most of this was done under the Obama regime and some before. I'm not trying to make this political, but it's just a fact. That's what all the open borders were about. That's what Hillary Clinton said she was going to continue doing. And, and it's, even it's continuing with Trump because federal judges are shutting down his orders as he's trying to protect us. The globalists are among us. The communists are here. 
the 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 people who want to kill us are living among us and while day to day to day right now it's relatively peaceful most of us in america get up and go about our routine each day but that can lull us right in to a very dangerous situation and you're right it could all change tomorrow i pray it doesn't guys I don't sit around rubbing my hands together hoping something bad will happen, so I'll be right. I hope I'm wrong on this to the day I go to my grave and, and, or, and or the Lord returns. I hope I'm wrong, but history doesn't say that I'm wrong. The Word of God doesn't say that I'm wrong. The headline news doesn't say that I'm wrong. And it says that the things that we're talking about tonight are front and center. They are among us. They are, we're on the cusp of all manner of horrific things, but by the hand of God holding some of it back. Our nation is literally on the cusp of a civil war, and major renowned figures are talking about it. The world is on the cusp of World War III, and major renowned important figures are talking about it in the headline news. The Middle East is melting down. ISIS sells in all 50 states. I mean, the most prophetic time since the first coming of Jesus Christ, Israel's back in the land. It's surrounded by enemies. We've got a a national sovereignty president in office that everybody on the left and the communist and the globalist and the establishment elite, they hate him, and they're attacking him daily. I mean, how can we sustain this? The world cannot sustain this. We are under demonic attack. The time is getting short, and the people of God had better prepare for some tough times just in case. I don't, I'm not a prophet. I don't have a word from God as to exactly what's going to happen, when or where. But the Bible says there will be a generation that's going to see such tribulation, Jesus said, like the world had never seen before. There's going to be a time. And I'm saying to folks, like you said, we're not prepping to save us but we're prepping so that we can take care of our families until the Lord returns for us, and more importantly, after we've done that, that we can minister the love of Jesus Christ to people around us who weren't prepared. Can I ask you that? Go ahead. Go ahead, Dad. Uh, Pastor Gallops, I'd like to mention one more thing real quickly. I have a very close friend of mine, and and my son Frank knows him also, Uh, and he's been preparing for about 40 years now, and I asked him one day, I said, Dick, 40 years, that's a long time. He says, no, he says, the Lord made it clear to me a long time ago that there's going to come a day, if I'm patient, where he's going to send people that he wants me to feed and to minister to and lift up the name of Jesus. Now, 40 years waiting for that is a long time, but he's really not waiting for it. He says he's just being obedient, that's all. Yes, yes. No, that's, that's, and that's the spirit. That's the spirit that I bring forth in my book, Be Thou Prepared, is that we're not doing this for, for any, any link to our ultimate salvation. We're not doing this to hoard up stuff and go live under a log in the woods and take care of me and mine. We're doing this so that we can have peace of mind so that we are then free to go out and minister to people around us. I, I, I'm going to give you all an anecdotal story of that. I I live on the Gulf Coast, as I've said, 31 years in one church. We went through Hurricane Ivan. I mean, it hit the, 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 the eye of that horrific storm hit the area I live in. It devastated this area for months, really for years. But I mean, there were, there were, 
there were months where people didn't have power. There were weeks and weeks where people couldn't traverse the roads. We didn't have any law enforcement for the first week. I mean, the the, the roof of the law enforcement center was blown off. Uh, cops couldn't get up and down the road. Oak trees as big around as a human body were scattered across the roads like matchsticks. Um, it, you know, power, no power, no water, um, uh, no gasoline. Uh, and that, I mean, that was just a hurricane. And, and, and we just were in the epicenter of it. But watch this. My wife and I, we rode that thing out in our house, and it was the hand of God that kept our house from being utterly destroyed. I, I just That's a long story. But the bottom Amen. line, when we got up that next morning and we looked outside, it looked like somebody had dropped a nuclear bomb. The winds ripped all the leaves and limbs. I mean, the wind ripped all the leaves off all the trees, just sticks for miles, square miles and square miles, square miles, just sticks and devastation everywhere. And, guys, I looked around. My wife, we opened the door. She said, oh, my gosh, and she burst into tears. She had never seen anything like that in her life. It just she didn't scare her. It just shocked her. I mean, and I stood there, me being an ex-cop, being through all kinds of devastation. I stood there with my jaw on the ground. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And the first thing, I looked at my wife, and I said, baby, our house is here. We've got shelter. We've got clothing in this house. We've we've been preparing for months. We've got food. We've got water. We've got fuel stored up. We've got uh, tools. We've got medication. Um, we've got weapons uh, and bullets to defend ourselves if it gets that bad. We're we're okay. We're fine. We've got tools. We've got chainsaws. We've got axes. We've got shovels. I looked at her and I said, "Here's what we need to do." And my my son, who's grown, was with us during that time as well, and he had a four wheel drive pickup truck and. We said, you know what, let's start cutting our way out. Let's start with our neighbors, and let's go as far as we can. Let's go house to house and check on people and make sure people aren't dead or hurt or dying. Let's make sure people can be fed. We've got food, we've got water, and we can help them get food and water. And we went out into the community and started going door to door, and people were blown away by that, guys, they, because everybody else was huddled, you know, in their homes, and, and and they they couldn't believe that a couple of idiots were out there with chainsaws cutting <laughs> their way through the roads, going neighbor to neighbor to neighbor, checking on people. And eventually we made our way to the church, and then eventually we were able to open up a big FEMA staging area and started supplying equipment and supplies to the whole community. So that's why we do it, guys. That's why we Amen. do it. Because in the midst of all that, we were able to lead people to the Lord, minister to people, minister to people's needs, and people have never forgotten that. Amen. Tom? Hey, I had a quick question for you, Pastor Gals. Have you ever heard of a guy named uh, Yuri Beznamov? Yuri Beznamov? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, um, just but, really quick, uh, he had something to say about... Um, the process that's been happening in America. It's, but basically, it's when um, one nation goes to war against another nation by changing their ideology and the way they see yes. things and their perception. Yes. And basically, I'm bringing this up because it seems as if it's worked over here. We don't panic. Even though we see clear markers of danger coming, we're not panicking. We're in yes. this strange lull. And it seems to be very engineered because anybody in their right mind would see it coming. I was just wondering if you could expound upon that. Um. Yes, it's called the normalcy bias. And that is that 
um, or, or homeostasis. It is a psychological effect of the, it, 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 that most people, if they're not thinking about preparedness, if they're not immersed in the Word and heeding the warnings of God's Word about preparedness, they, they, we want life to be normal. We want life to be the same, that's what homeostasis means, as much as possible, so badly that we will ignore what's going on around us and pretend like everything is normal. And, and it's a dangerous place to be. And I guess the wisdom God has given me, the spirit he's put in me, my many years of preaching and teaching the word, and ten years as a cop, you'll die if you live as, uh, as a cop like that. I mean, you have to be looking at all times. Your head on a swivel is what we used to say. And you, know, and you have to be suspicious of everything and question everything, or you'll die. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the way I'm built is I'm just always watching. I'm always looking. And, but you're right, Brother, Brother Todd. I mean, the vast majority of our population, listen, the vast majority of our pulpits, <laughs> that's how they live, you know. It's just from day to day to day, everything's normal. Everything goes on as it has from the beginning. And that was Second yeah. Peter said. Where is this coming of the Lord that everybody's worried about? You know, and, and so that's going to be part of the devastation when, when, when things begin to come unraveled. I call it the fog of Babylon. It's kind of just the fog is set in, and everybody's kind of just in this daze in church, and you know, like the old dazed and confused as you know, back in the sixties and seventies. So, Pastor, thank you for staying um, over with us for a few minutes, and and I want to bring this home into a close because what you've shared is true. And to recap, folks, like Pastor Carl said, it's as simple as buying a couple of extra things. Every time you go to the store, maybe it's only, maybe you only have money for one extra jar of peanut butter. Maybe you only have this, but there's nothing wrong with having a little bit extra and having some food and water ready because it's in those moments. Obviously God is going to have to sustain us through whatever we go long-term, but in those moments that you can get your mind together because you've got some food in there and get some time as a family to come together there and pray because you'll find out that when everything's been taken away, many people tend to freak out and go crazy. And we know from the fact, from the mark of the beast, that the one thing the devil wants to take away is the food supply because no man can buy nor sell save he that has the mark. So we know that part of that system, whatever it ends up being, and there's a lot of great theories on it, what it might be, the fact is is that it is about um, controlling the food system. Because when the devil can get a hold of your belly, he knows he's got you. He knows he's got you. When people are thirsting to death and starving to death, they will turn into killers. Yes, that's correct. you know, not everybody will, but a lot of people will, and a lot of people that you wouldn't expect. And it, it can get really, really dangerous. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, that's why I say be prepared. And I tell people, not only prepare for you and your family, but like your father's friend who's been preparing for 40 years, prepare for people around you just for the possibility that you might be able to minister to or to help. And that in and of itself may wind up being a protection to you and your family. I agree. Pastor Carl, um, just to close out here for a moment, uh, we know that 
all these, the physical, you know, it only took three days out of Egypt before they were crying to go back. They left the Egyptians and spoiled them. And we know that the the physical provisions, I believe they're wise, but only providing, you know, being prepared with God is what will sustain us. And so, Pastor, for that person who's fretting and stressing right now over what's going on in this world and, and what do they do, Pastor, could you encourage the believer tonight? What what did what is the best thing they can start doing right this moment? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I I want to speak to the unbeliever and the believer. For the unbeliever, please know. You, you like like brother Frank and brother Todd has, have been saying, the most important thing is to be right with your creator through Jesus Christ. Romans 10:9 says it like this, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Romans 10:13 says and whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to be spiritually prepared. The bottom line is, even if we live in the lap of luxury for the next, for the rest of your life, you still one day will breathe your last, and you will answer before the Lord who created you. And then for believers, I say this, and this is how I live my life. Guys, people ask me, are you a pessimist or are you an optimist? What are you? Well, I'm not a pessimist because a pessimist goes around, you know, wringing their hands in anxiety. The Bible says that is faithful faithlessness to do that. Don't live that way. Be anxious for nothing. Uh, But I'm not an optimist either in that I don't think that everything is puppy dog's breath, daffodils, and rainbows. I'm a realist, you know. I just live. I mean, we're not guaranteed of another day tomorrow, but in the meantime, I am not here to see how comfortable I can be. I'm not here to see how wealthy I can become or how important or powerful I can become. If God blesses me with those things and I use them for his glory, that's fine. There's nothing evil about them intrinsically. But if that's the goal of my life, it is. What I'm here for is to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God, to be the salt, to be the light, to make a difference. Because that's what's coming on the way, the restitution of all things. We, we, that's how he taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prepare yourselves spiritually. Get out there, enjoy life, plan for the future, save for the future, educate your children, plan for retirement. We don't know what's going to happen in our lifetime, but in, this, in the midst of it all, Understand, we're living in the most prophetic times since the first coming of Jesus Christ. Israel's back in the land. It's surrounded by enemies. The Middle East is imploding. The globalists are going crazy. The terrorists are living among us. Understand that and make common sense biblical preparations. And then get up tomorrow and go live life. There may be a Ferguson effect where one day everything turns upside down and you have to readjust your life. But until then, just get out there and enjoy life. But remember, we're here for such a time as this. We are ambassadors for the kingdom. Amen. Thank you for that, Pastor Carl. Folks, nobody's here to scare you, but the truth is don't be ignorant. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't think for a moment because the news has calmed down for two days on, on Donald Trump that all of a sudden this country, everything is going to turn around and be better. There is an enemy out there that is fighting for the souls of men and women, and he has come to seek and destroy all that he can. And it will continue. There will be something else, and there will be something else. But the fact is, as Pastor Carl can tell you, that through all these things, if you are right with God, if you are walking close to Jesus, you've got nothing to fear. 
Right. And so I just appreciate you, Pastor Carl. Thanks for coming on. His book, check it out, Be Thou Prepared. Get that and get his other book, um, the uh, When the Lion Roars, because both books actually do go together. Am I correct in saying that, Pastor Carl? Well, they really do. I mean, I didn't intentionally write them that way, but yes. I mean, they, they fit together like a hand in glove, and I've had a lot of people tell me that, yes. Amen, amen. So check him out, carlgallops.com. You can follow Pastor Gallops on his radio program, and, well, he's all over the place. If you want to find him, just hit Google, and, and you'll find him somewhere because he's one busy man. But thank you, Pastor, for being willing to step out there in those uncomfortable times to share the good news of Jesus. His coming is soon. And, Pastor, we want to have you back on, but, you know, Lord willing, anything happen, we will definitely see each other in the kingdom one day. And so Absolutely. I appreciate that. That. Thank you. May God bless you and your family. And, and thanks for everybody who listens to the Remnant Call. And folks, be encouraged. Jesus is coming again, and it will be soon. So this is Brother Frank and Brother Todd and Pastor Carl with the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. 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 shalom.